It's the people in your house that make it a home. Protect what's most valuable to you by installing new custom energy-efficient windows and doors from Renewal by Anderson. With the nation's best warranty coverage, Renewal by Anderson is a better way to a better window. Take advantage of our limited-time offer and buy one replacement window or patio door, get one 40% off. Plus, no money down, no payments, and no interest for 12 months. Schedule your complimentary design consultation online at RenewalWindowsAlaska.com. Restrictions apply. Dog Works Radio is sponsored by Alaska Dog Works. Check out their website at alaskadogworks.com. You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. We are joined by Rhonda Hirschap. How are you doing today, Rhonda? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, you know, want to get into, uh, you know, your, your 2022 uh, race with the Canadian Challenge, your plans or excitement for the upcoming race in 23. But I want to get started talking a little about how you got into mushing and, uh, you know, how your kennel is down in Nolulu, Ontario, outside of Thunder Bay. So can you tell us about how you got into mushing originally? For sure. Um, I was working seasonally as a park warden in Algonquin Park. And uh, when my contract was up there in the fall, I was looking for work in the winter. And a guy that worked at the park had a dog sledding business. And then he said, why don't you come out and run tours? So that's how I got into it. He had a kennel of about 100 dogs. And uh, so for the next few winters, every winter, I would do dog sled rides for tourists in Algonquin Park. And then every summer, I'd summer I'd stay there and I'd work there um, all summer as, and fall as a park warden and uh, that is where I met my husband Andy he was also a park warden at Algonquin and that's kind of how he got introduced to mushing as well. Oh that's qu- quite a an interesting story about how you're able to involved on the tour side seems like it's a common uh, approach what what sort of moved you from the tour side to want to get into racing well, um, after I'd done a few a winter there, the second winter, um, Dave was the, the man, we became good friends, the man that owned the business. He said, you want to race? And I said, sure, I don't, I don't really know what that is, but sounds like fun and let's do it. So what we did was we picked, uh, we were running tours five, six days a week. And uh, when it got to be about six weeks before the race, we chose 10 dogs out of the 100 that we thought would make good race dogs. And we kind of took them out of the touring and we trained them as a race team. So we'd do like a 10 dog team. And uh, after I was done touring for the day, I would take those dogs out and we would run them kind of longer distances and faster to get them kind of out of the touring mode and into the race mode. And uh, it was real interesting because he used to get dogs from other racers. So if they had a dog that wasn't quite working out or was a little bit too crazy or was a little young, then they would leave them with Dave and we would run them in the business. Um, So we had lots of interesting dogs to choose from and we just chose 10. One of them was his old lead, older lead dog and the rest were all kind of two, three year olds. And uh, with them, we entered into my first race, which was in 2014. And it was the Bancroft mid distance race. I was trying to remember today, I'm pretty sure it was two 40-mile runs or something like that. Um, so one one day and then one run the next day. And uh, it was a real adventure. 
what uh, can you share a little more about you know how that was an adventure or maybe sure. one of the dogs that stood out during that one? For sure. So I was about I would have been about twenty or twenty one at the time, and I remember being so nervous. Um, I had no idea about how this race was, or even I don't even know if I'd been to this place much. Bancroft is maybe a few times, and I was really nervous because. 20 years ago, they had this, in down south, they had this marking system of these pie plates. So it would be like two pie plates meant a right-hand turn and one meant a left-hand turn. And I was just so confused about the turns and that I was going to get lost. And then I had never crossed a road before. And I knew right at the very beginning of this race was a huge road crossing. So we were going to come right out onto like a a two-lane highway and I was going to have to cross the highway. And I had no idea what was going to happen. Like, were the dogs going to stop? Was I going to get pulled uncontrollably over the road crossing or what was going to happen? So just, I kind of decided, you know what? I'm just going to follow somebody. Like uh, I'll follow whoever's in front of me and, and it'll go fine. And sure enough, at the mushers meeting, I draw bib number one. And sure enough, at the, at the start of the race, it's a huge snowstorm. So I started the race in number one, in a snowstorm, no idea where I was going, got to the road crossing. That went well. I didn't realize that dogs hit the pavement and they were as surprised as I was and they slowed right down. And so that wasn't a problem. And I didn't see anybody else the entire run. So I, for a long time, I was questioning, like, am I on the right trail? Every once in a while, I would see people so I would know it was okay. And I got to the end of the race and I found out that I was in first place. No idea. I didn't see anybody. I was just on my own run in a snowstorm. And uh, day two, I saw a few people that day, but I ended up getting first place in that race, which was really exciting for um, for the kennel and for Dave, who used to race, and, and for all these kind of ragtag dogs we'd put together from all the people that I was racing against that day. Oh, that's an amazing first experience uh, on the racetrack, um, so to speak. Was there a dog that uh, you were really happy with or surprised with how well they did compared to to what you expected yeah so we had this we kind of had dogs that maybe were a little too crazy for racers or whatever and I remember we had we had dogs like the likes of abracadabra was her name and she would just disappear sometimes she's really good at getting off her collar and that's probably why Dave got her and we had this other dog that For the first year I knew her, we called her Shredder because every harness we put on her, she just, by the time you turned around and got back to her, she'd shredded it. Anyways, Shredder, we decided wasn't a great name, so we ended up renaming her to Delta. And uh, fast forward a year later, when I was putting together that race team, I decided Delta was going to be the lead dog. So I'd been training her in lead. She was a really nice little dog, fast, kind of feisty and hard for the other dog beside her to deal with. Um, a little unpredictable because she was new in lead. So we, we paired her with uh, an older race dog champ that Dave had that was probably about 10, but in great shape. Um, so those two did day one, and then day two, champ decided, you know what, I'm done with this race thing. I don't think I want to go with all these youngins anymore. So we left her out, and I had Delta up there, who used to be Shredder, and then another male named Geronimo that was the only other dog on the team that could stand running with Delta. And uh, so that's that's who I ran day two. And uh, they were terrific. And I raced with that team uh, the following year as well and led those two in, in every race, Delta and Geronimo. 
And uh, we did quite a few things with that team. We went out to Marmara and we did Bancroft again. And then we went out to uh, to the Can-Am and we did the shorter Can-Am race. And this was a long time ago. This was 2015. But uh, but we, we, did, we did quite a bit with that team before I kind of got other work and moved on in my life. But uh, it was a really fun first couple of years racing experience for sure. Right. So after 2015, because obviously you have your own kennel now with your husband. So yeah. how did you transition from working with Dave into your own kennel? Well, we, uh, we did the park warden thing for a few summers and then we decided, you know what? I thought I want to go to the Yukon. So I went to the Yukon and I worked with a musher up there and Andy, when he was done his contract, he came up and joined me in the Yukon. We spent the winter there and really liked it and came back to our old park warden jobs in Ontario in the summer then a, a job came up for a game warden up in the Northwest Territories, and we thought, yeah, let's go let's go back. So we went up to the Northwest Territories, and we spent uh, two years up there in Fort McPherson, and that is where we started our kennel. So we took in dogs from, um, we lived in Fort McPherson, which was a small town, um, mostly First Nation people, and uh, we took in a bunch of dogs, either dogs that we just kind of saw and were loose or... Um, we bought a couple dogs off a of man in old crow that were kind of like trap line dogs. And, uh, before you knew it, we had, we had eight dogs and a team and we spent the two winters. We were there dog sledding on the Peel river and out of Fort McPherson and having a great time with our, um, our crew of, of, uh, any dog that would want to run. <laughs> so when we moved from the Northwest territories to where we are by Thunder Bay, we brought those eight dogs with us. And those were kind of the start of our, our, our sled dogs here. And they were great, big, fuzzy kind of trap line dogs. And uh, with those dogs, we went and did a whole bunch of races in the Midwest. And we were completely out of place with our big fuzzy dogs from the north and the Alaskan Huskies of the Midwest. But we had a great time. We went to a bunch of different races in the Midwest. And um, here we are today with... Those dogs have just recently passed. They were 15 years old, some of the older ones. And uh, we acquired a, a bunch of dogs over the last few years. We wanted to get into longer racing. So we kind of built our, our kennel up in the last few years of, of dogs that we liked um, and dogs that we liked spending time with and that could do the longer runs. And we decided um, last year we'd give, you know, Bear Grease a try and Canadian Challenge. And we'll be back again this year with that same team. So we've had that team, oh, maybe four years. Um, some of them are puppies we had here four years ago, and some of them are uh, dogs we acquired from the Midwest, and that's kind of the base of our kennel right now. Okay, and I believe Andy is signed up to do the Bear Grease race this year, and yeah. you're signed up for the Canadian Challenge. How do you decide who does which race? Yeah, you know, we never have a hard time with that. We... um we have the two little kids, so we usually combine on races, so we can't really both race at the same time, so we always got to take turns, and uh, we never seem to have any problem deciding. I We talked about it in the fall, and I said, well, I could run the Bear Grease, and he said, no, I think, you know, I want to take on the Bear Grease again. I, I got some unfinished business there, and um, I want to get on that trail again, and I said, okay, great. Well, I'll do the challenge again, and we're, we're all settled, so that's kind of how, how the discussion went, and... Uh, we kind of combine our efforts on one team. That's really all we can get time for uh, with work and kids. And uh, yeah, so it's usually an easy decision. 
um, we usually don't have any problem deciding. Right. And so you know, 2022 looked like a very difficult year at the Bear Grease, which, um, you know, makes sense that Andrew would want to go back and, 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 and do another round. Uh, what made you want to come back to the challenge after 22? Well, we had a lot of fun there. I mean, uh, some of it was tough. The cold was tough and, you know, it was a long trip out there with the kids, but it, it was so worth doing and we had a great time and we just thought, let's, let's do it again. Let's, let's do the challenge again. It's going to be a lot easier for us this year, just because we know where we're going, kind of what we're doing and how things go. And, um, we got a team that that is just the perfect, you know, two, 300 mile races are, are perfect. And, uh, Nice to stay in Canada on the Canada highways, and we can visit some friends on the way up to the challenge. And uh, just seems to work for work for our family the last couple of years. Nice. Well, and let's let's go back to the beginning of the race in twenty two. Can you tell us a little about how you get ready to go? You know, the last hour or so before you actually start. What, what's that uh, process or routine like for you? Well, for us, it's. It, it kind of starts with just getting the kids ready first, getting the kids ready to be outside. And um, they're going to be outside for an hour and, and our efforts go into getting them all set up. And then uh, we just kind of get the dogs out one by one. Some, are, some like to come out early. They like seeing the people and others kind of get really excited. So we, we gauge what, what dog wants to do what. Um, get their harnesses on and their booties on. And then I usually like to take a look, walk around and just look at other dog teams and look at other sleds and people set up. I mean, we don't see a lot of dog teams. We don't see any here all winter. And so it's always really exciting to see like the latest gear and, and uh, people's dogs because they change over the years. And so I like to just walk around. Um, I was a little nervous on the challenge because there was a 90 degree turn right off the bat and our dogs are pretty crazy at the beginning. So that was the only thing I was a little little nervous about, but otherwise I'm usually pretty excited for race start. Um, and uh, I, I was ready to get going, and the time always goes really fast. Usually Andy and I are not prepared <laughs> on time. We're usually just kind of throwing it together as fast as we can at the end. Um, so that's that seems to be the way it kind of went there too. But we pulled up to the line and ready to go and said bye to Andy and the kids and, and saw them you know, 50, 50 some odd miles later. Right. So you left the start line and, you know, a few miles in, you end up out on the ditch along the highway. At what point in that leg would you say the team sort of settled in where you felt more comfortable and less, you know, started the race crazy? Yeah, I would say, you know, it was like maybe four or five miles in and I, you know, I kind of talked to the dogs and we're all good. Here we go. We're going on a race. And, you know, you can see the dogs, like some of them shake and they, that's just kind of them relaxing. And then we're just on another run. So it didn't, it didn't take very long. Um, once we kind of got on the trail and they realized, Hey, we're just, we're going on a run and, and this is fun. And, uh, we settled in pretty quickly. Right. And then you got, uh, into Weaquin. We had to unfortunately bypass a, a short section of trail, do some really bad overflow, and uh, and then you left from our remote checkpoint 969 on a very cold night, a 50 more four mile run into Larange. Uh, how did that go for you? Um, it went good. I had um, had a new leader in. We had uh, our leader Emmy that we'd had 
for the last, I don't know, six, seven years, our main lead dog. She, uh, she did a hundred miles of bear grease. And then Andy said she just wasn't looking right. And when we got her home, she wasn't injured, but she just wasn't really into the runs. So we left her for Canadian challenge. And I had a, a new leader named Olive and my old new leader that used to run with Emmy named Arlo. But Emmy was kind of the brains of the operation, I always thought. And Arlo was just like a really easygoing guy that liked to, you know, keep the team tight. And he was a good dog. But I I thought, you know, I might struggle a bit because Emmy wasn't there. But um, they were doing really good. But they were really confused about the road crossings and going down onto the road and then looking for the trail up on the other side. So we had some really interesting road crossings, and I'm sure if we could see the tracks in the snow, Arlo would come up over that hill and he'd get onto the road and he'd be like, why would I go straight? There's a great road to the right and a great road to the left. And it took us, it took us till that last run to get in the groove of, hey, I look up in the ditch and then I go up the other side. So there was a lot of growth there for the team, but there was some, some hiccups at those crossings along the way. Yeah, well, it should be much better going forward, having had that experience. And so after finishing uh, that leg in La Ronge, uh, we had another 50-mile run into Mississippi, you know, across the lake and then through the portages. Uh, how did that portion go for you? It went good. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty cold race for sure. I, um, I don't think I'd seen temperatures like that since I was up in the territories and... Uh, I mean, it was good. It was hard to keep fingers and toes warm. Of course, dogs were fine. The, we we're definitely the the weak link. The people on those teams in that cold, they're they're built for that. But uh, it was fun going across those lakes and then those portages. They would keep you on your toes and wake you up a bit. Um, we did see the northern lights there for a bit, which was really nice to see. It had been a while, and uh, it was really exciting to pull into that checkpoint. You know, um, later in the night you know, knowing there's one run left and it was exciting. And, uh, I was happy to see, uh, Andy and the kids there. And, um, the, the dogs had a pretty good run in. I, I had one dog I had to put in the bag for a bit. And so I had a bit of a yard sale. I call it with that, where I had to get the stuff out of my sled and reorganize. And I lost one of my mitts and, um, the dog was named Hold'em and he was pretty sure that the rattling things in his in the sled were going to get him so we had a bit of a disagreement and we we decided that he would sit in the sled on the lakes and then he would go in the team on the portages so we got it all worked out and pulled in and he was good but I left him behind and uh yeah it was a good run yeah it certainly seemed like things really turned around for you uh right before that last um that last run out so you got into Mississippi you know, three o'clock ish in the morning, you know, got yourself uh, a good nap and then ended up leaving uh, just 15 minutes behind Anna and you were in fifth place at the time. And then you had the second fastest runtime uh, between Mississippi and LaRange and, and past her. How was that as you went back through the portages and, uh, and came across the lake and, and saw the finish line? Yeah, we had a great run. I mean, the dogs, the dogs were all settled in um, and uh, it was dark and cold and the trails were fast. And uh, yeah, we just, I, I found that they went, you know, faster on that runs than the other, the other runs before. I think that the, the trail was faster and maybe they knew that the excitement was there because they had passed that trail already. And I, I, you know, 
I feel like they probably feed from me that they know like the end of the race is coming and the, the excitement that, that I feel they're probably feeling. Um, and it was really beautiful to see, you know, the sun come up and it get light again. And uh, boy, Arlo and all of there, they had really gotten into the groove of being, you know, working together and being good lead dogs at that point. We, they were making all the turns, no problem. And it was just a, it was a smooth run right into the finish, which was really, really a lot of fun. Yeah, my apologies. It was not 3 o'clock when you arrived, but just after 3 o'clock in the morning when you left. We had three mushers right around that 6 hours 23, 6 hours 24 uh, on that run. So it seemed to work out well with a lot uh, of dog teams that seemed to peak at that point. Obviously, Andy and and the kids were there, um, and the, the kids seemed involved, you know, at the checkpoints and, and you know, just being outside. How much are they involved at the kennel on a day-to-day basis? Are they helping out? Are they on the sleds? Do you think they're going to be mushers someday? I don't know. You know, they they grew up with it. You know, since they were babies, they were coming to races and, you know, going. We do lots of trips in the spring where we go, you know, ice fishing and winter camping. So I think for them, it's just kind of what life is. They don't seem to be too interested in really getting on the runners and mushing their own team. I think that's just because maybe, you know, they take it for granted a bit because they see it all the time. Um, They are really helpful in the kennel when we have puppies. Our puppies are hand raised by those kids. Um, It makes for better dogs. I I just love seeing them, them raising the puppies. They'll feed them and take care of them Um, until they get a little bit too crazy and then, and, you know, we'll start running them and, but, uh, but they know all the names and they'll come out, uh, you know, they're still pretty small, but they'll come out with us and wander around with us while we feed dogs. And, but, uh, yeah, they, they enjoy the dogs. I, I don't know future mushers, future racers. We'll see, but, uh, we sure do have a lot of fun going out on the land with them around here. Excellent. And given that you and Andy are both working, how do you manage, the time required for the dogs with just regular daily routine and the racing schedule and training and having kids and and jobs. How how does all that work for for your family? Sometimes I don't know how. um, We just kind of, you know, we, we combine on one team, Andy and I, and we both run dogs. So, you know, if, if he's working and, and I have a day off and the kids are in school, then I'll run dogs that day. And if he's off, you know, and I'm working, the kids are in school, he'll run that day. And if, you know, the kids aren't really old enough to leave home alone very much. So, um, so if the kids are in, are, are home or like not at school, then sometimes we'll go in night mode, we call it, where we'll just run dogs at night. So after dinner and we get the kids tucked in, um, I'll help Andy hook up and he'll take off with the dog team or vice versa. And that's kind of how we get our runs in. You know, we have a goal each week of how many runs we need to do and we try and plan it and the plans change every every week um but uh we just kind of have a goal of how many miles we want to get in that week and what those runs are going to look like and then together we try and try and accomplish that um we both kind of work shift work so we're not always working the exact same times every day um so we have to be flexible sometimes we have to run in the morning sometimes it has to be till one in the morning uh, whatever we need to do to kind of get those, get those miles in. Excellent. So our social media question, 
comes to us today from D Shedlow. And the question is, what is your favorite part of mushing? Is it the, the training and, and just being out, um, you know, in nature with the dogs? Is it actually going to races and, and being races, uh, you know, and, and actually being on the trail for races? Or is it more of the day-to-day time with the dogs in the yard, just hanging out around home? Yeah, my favorite part of mushing is just the dogs. And it's so nice when you have puppies and you raise them from puppies and you know them so well, you know, and the big part about why I like going on races is not really the race per se. I'm not really a competitive type person, but it's just seeing all the new trails and and seeing how the dogs perform on these new trails. And it's always such a learning experience. We always go into races and then we come out knowing so much more and the dogs knowing so much more. And it's just, it's, uh, it's the dogs that, that, that I really like, um, just spending time with them in the summer and watching them develop and grow. And then, you know, taking all my dog buddies out on the trail and, and exploring really beautiful parts of Ontario and Canada that you wouldn't, you know, really see otherwise in Minnesota, the places you can go by dog team. Um, and usually the races are held in the, the nicest places of those areas. Um, so it's just kind of like a big field trip. We're going to go check out some new trail and have some adventures. So yeah, for sure. It's, it's the dogs and watching them develop and grow and, and hanging out with them. And when you do a long race like that, you really do develop a, like a deeper bond with them. I feel like sometimes by the end of a, a longer race, I don't even know if I'm saying G or ha. They just kind of know that that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it's just by the way I'm leaning or we just become kind of in tune with them, which is, um, you know, a deeper relationship with a dog that you can't really get just, you know, hanging out with them every once in a while. Pretty common that the dogs pick up on people's general attitude. You know, those that are a little more upbeat and happy, uh, down the trail seem to have dogs that are that way and and some of the, those that are a little more negative the dogs can pick up on some of that anybody that wants to follow along or check out uh, your litter of puppies this this year and and some of the cute pictures that are there is there some place that they can find you and andy yeah we have um we have a facebook page called paws on patrol mushing um so they just have to re- request to be added to that and uh and then we'll add them and they can follow along. We post like every every few weeks and, and a little bit more when we're training or something exciting happens, which which is pretty regularly around here. So, um, And that's where they could follow us along on Facebook. Excellent. So we'll put that in the show notes below so people can click on the link and, and follow along. Uh, I want to give you a chance to... Uh, to thank anyone that's been involved with the kennel because we know... Uh, you know, running a dog team or having a dog kennel is not really possible with just one person. It takes a whole team to do that. So anybody in particular you'd like to thank or, or give a shout out to? Yeah, we had um, we had some sponsors come up last year, um, Green Acres Variety down the road and Hoppers. And we've had our vet, Crossroads Vet Service have come on and they're going to they're going to help us out a bit this year with the racing, too. And, um, you know, the kids and Andy and the kids, you know, they're along for the ride and, and, uh, they need to be thanked for coming along with their crazy parents to all these, all these adventures. Um, and all the race volunteers and organizers too. I mean, it takes a lot of volunteers to put on a race, you know, for us, I feel kind of selfish sometimes that I'm going down these great trails and takes this army of people to allow me to do that. So, so thanks to them and the organizers too. 
Well, we certainly appreciate that. We know there's a lot of volunteers involved from all aspects of the race, from organizing to helping out at checkpoints to the trail crew that does amazing work and, you know, a lot of times doesn't uh, see the public eye quite as much. I really want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, learning more about your dogs and your family and, and how you grew up with it. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing you in the 10 dog, uh, event in February. You know, we're really excited with, uh, you know, the teams that we have and, and the trail is shaping up really nicely. Uh, if anybody wants to follow along with the Canadian challenge, you can find us at, uh, canadianchallenge.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Rhonda, thank you again. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us today. Well, thanks so much for letting me come on and talk about dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to get mushers talking about dogs. Uh, and I really want to thank again. Uh, so that's it for today. Another episode of Canadian Challenge Tales in conjunction with Dogworks Radio. Thanks again and goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is Canadian Challenge Tales. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Dan Kirkup. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for First Paw Media. Old Man Winter is here. Are your outdated windows ready? Renewal by Anderson, the winter window installation experts use Fibrex windows, which are two times stronger than vinyl and are watertight to keep winter's draft outside. Most installs can be completed within a day. Take advantage of our limited time offer and buy one replacement window or patio door, get one 40% off. Plus, no money down, no payments, and no interest for 12 months. Schedule your complimentary design consultation online at RenewalWindowsAlaska.com. Restrictions apply.